Well, good morning, Bethel. I am, I am so excited this morning to uh, be diving into God's Word here together and launching this new ministry year. Would you bow with me from your home and uh, let's prepare our hearts to hear from God. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. You are so good in so many ways, in every way. You are loving and kind. You are faithful and true. We, we have been singing your praise, and we love to get to do that. It bursts forth within our souls to sing out about how amazing you are and to give thanks to you. And now that we have this time to come to your word, what a gift this is to you. That you, the God of the universe, the King of all kings, would give us a book where you have revealed yourself and instructed and guided us that we can dive into. Thank you. And so now lead us to you and lead us to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to imagine with me two men, Bob and Jim. Let's call them Bob and Jim, okay? They, they work together at a factory, on the factory line. And, and their job is a really simple one. Every single day they go in and they do the exact same they stand there at their position on the factory line, and then what rolls up along the line is a plastic container, and they have to screw on the bottom, this, this, um, this bottom to the container, they screw on, make sure it's tight, and then when it's all good and sealed, they pour in three layers of rock, and then it moves on to the next position on the line. They, they do this container after container, hour after hour, day after day. Side by side, Bob and Jim each work there. If, if they are keeping up with their quota, what the expectation of, you know, the boss would say for them to be doing, they should on a weekly basis be getting about 1,500 containers each brought through the assembly line. Day after day, week after week, month after month, screwing the bottom on the plastic container, pouring in three layers of rock. And from a distance, you would watch and look at them, and they seem like they are doing the exact same thing. But if you begin to just peel away the surface just a little bit and take a little bit of a closer look at Bob and Jim, you notice that there is one radical difference between these two guys. See, for Bob, he hates his job. It starts every day at 7 a.m., and he, you know, he needs to be in position right on the nose of 7 a.m., and, and on a lucky day, if Bob is rolling through the door at 6.56, 6.57, 6.58, it's a pretty good day. He, he gets up to his position just in the nick of time, and the look upon his face looks like he wants to be anywhere else in all the world. He grumbles and moans and bemoans every single moment of every single day. It is painful painted all over his body language that he is utterly miserable. On the other hand, you've got Jim. Jim loves his job. Jim shows up at 6.30 every single morning to be there early and on time. By 6.45 at the latest, he is in position and he has got a grin from ear to ear. He is overjoyed 
to be working in this job. He, he, with sheer delight, hums and sings and smiles his way all the way along every single day, screwing in the bottom of those containers and pouring in the rock. And just day after day, Jim would love nothing more in life than to get to be here in this job. Finally, after a few months of Bob and Jim working together and Bob getting so frustrated and fed up and, and then it getting rubbed in all that much more, seeing how much Jim loved his job, he just couldn't take it anymore. He finally just snaps at Jim and barks across and says, what is your problem? Like, this is the most boring job in the world. We literally stand here for hour upon hour every single day doing the same thing over and over again, screwing in little plastic containers and filling them with rocks. This is the most boring job you could possibly imagine. Why are you so happy? Why do you stand here smiling and singing every single day? What's wrong with you? To which Jim stops and he turns and he looks at Bob and he asks him a question. He says, did you know that there's 14 million people in Mozambique who cannot drink clean water today? And Bob is like, what? Now he's not only frustrated at this guy, but he's confused. I'm not asking about Africa and some people in Africa. Who cares? I, why do you like this job so much? To which Jim then replies, well, you should care. Because don't, don't you realize what we're doing here? And Bob's sort of confused and Jim says, these are water filters we're building. See, every single day when I come and every single week when we stand here, at the end of a week, I've gotten to have a part in providing clean water, a gift that 1,500 families never would have been able to have because of what we just did here. Perspective, friends. It makes all the difference in the world. It takes the most mundane, monotonous, boring job in the world. All I'm doing is screwing on the bottom of a container and putting in some sand. And it turns it into transforming the lives of 1,500 families every single week. See, Jim understood the why. He understood why he was there in that factory every single day. And it changed, it transformed, it altered everything he did. Bob, it was just about screwing in the bottom of a container. But Jim knew he was changing the lives of families forever. Over the next four weeks, we are going to be launching our new ministry year with an exciting series that we are calling On Mission. On Mission. And it's about uniting us as a church family. Whether you are just in your first couple weeks with us or you've been with us for years, it's about rallying us. It's about reminding all of us. It's about aligning us for what is ahead. And today, I want to start with asking the question, why? Why? 
Why are we here today? Why from your home right now are you tuning in to watch online or on Rogers TV? Why are we here at the church doing the work to put together a service like this for us to be able to unite here? Why are we ramping up, as you hear about in the, the announcements the last few weeks, you know, small groups where, where, you know, eight to 12 people are gathering together weekly to dive into the God's word. Why are we ramping up our youth programs that are going to be running on Wednesday evenings here in Strathroy? Why are we going to be starting up in, in a little over a month the marriage course on Tuesday nights? Why are we aiming to start a new church plant in Southwest Middlesex? Why? I could go on and on and on. And, and when you walk into our facility here or a few minutes ago on one of the bumper videos, or if you go over to the website, you will see a statement that says the why, but, but the words that are just up on the banner or on the website or in one of those videos, just reading those words is kind of like thinking your job is just to screw in the bottom of a plastic container and fill it with some sand. What I am praying... And what I want to lead us towards in God's word is, is that God would open up the eyes of our hearts and remind our souls about the why we are doing this. Not just a phrase that might be somewhere on the website, as good as as helpful as that is, but the heart-transforming, soul-gripping motivation for why we are doing everything we're doing as we unite together and launch this new ministry year. And so I'm going to lead us into two of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Okay, so grab your Bibles out. First one we're going to is Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians, the letter to the church in Colossae, chapter 1, verses 15 to 20, is where we're going to begin to answer our question, why? And here's the first answer, okay? Why are we doing all that we're doing? Why? Because Jesus is awesome. Because Jesus is awesome. Let's look into God's word. He is, speaking of Jesus here, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, for by Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or uh, powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything Jesus might have the supremacy, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through Jesus' blood, which was shed on the cross. This passage, I think personally, is probably my favorite passage in all of the Bible. I love this section of scripture here because it is just bursting forth and describing and, and just declaring so vividly, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is awesome. He is amazing, truly, in the deepest, richest, awe-inspiring sense of those words. Let me just grab, we could spend a lifetime just on these verses, but let me just grab a couple high points as we walk our way through these passages. 
Jesus, it says, is the image, that is the the display, the revealing for all the world to see of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You can't see God. He's invisible. Well, yes and no. Yes, God is invisible, and yet God has revealed himself to us so that we can see and know God. How? Who? Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn. That is to say, This is the old language. Maybe we might not use it in quite the same way now today, but when the Bible is written, what it's talking about here is the the leader of the family, the leading one, the most important, the preeminent one was the firstborn child. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. If you have a Bible in front of you right now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a pen, and I want you to start circling some words. First word to circle, all right here, okay? Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. It says next, he created all things. Circle that next, all again. He created all things, things in heaven and on earth, what you see, what you cannot see, every ruler and big shot and authority and power player. He created all of it. Have you ever seen or come across or maybe noticed in the news or maybe you've even, if you're a little bit of a geek, you've streamed one of these, one of these tech giant big release parties that they do, you know, and I, you can talk about it with Apple, you can talk about Google, you can talk about with Amazon or Tesla or whoever, right, where, where they, they have some billionaire stand up on the stage and, and give this really cool PowerPoint presentation talking about this brand new technology, this new device that they have just come out with, where, where this really brilliant billionaire has gotten this really brilliant team of incredible engineers to put together this really brilliant and incredible new piece of, like, whether it's a phone or a new car or a new piece of whatever it might be, right? And then around the world, people stream and watch, and then the news companies grab onto this and say, oh, look at what Apple has done. Oh, look at the new Google phone. Oh, look at what Tesla's coming out with. And and everybody just marvels and wonders at the the brilliance and the creativity as this revelation is given for society of this new technological advancement, right? And we all just like, oh. A couple weeks ago, there was a sort of similar kind of um, announcement that was made. It was actually with one of the leaders of NASA and Joe Biden, the President of the United States, where they, they announced, and maybe you saw some of these, maybe you came across some of these, this new telescope, the James Webb Telescope, which is taking pictures into space farther than we have ever been able to see. I want to show you just one picture here on the screen that was taken, and they announced with uh, Joe Biden and the, the leader of NASA uh, from this James Webb telescope. Now, as that picture is there on the screen, you need to understand that each of those things that you are seeing there, each of the lights that you are seeing, these are not just stars that you are seeing that are representing each of those, those you know, little blips of light. They're not even just solar systems or, or planets within it, but these are actually entire galaxies galaxies, each of those little blips there. And then listen to this quotation that came out when they were announcing this particular picture. When I heard this, I fell off my chair. I was like, are you? No way. Okay. 
Here's what it says, quote, right from NASA's website when they read during the press release. Webb's image covers a patch of sky approximately the size of a grain of sand held at arm's length by someone on the ground and reveals thousands of galaxies in a tiny silver of vast sliver of vast universe. Okay, let me explain just again what that just said. Imagine on the tip of my finger, I had a grain of sand, okay? Imagine you do this at your home. And you hold up at arm's length the grain of sand into the sky. And what is behind that grain of sand on the tip of my finger, if you could magnify it out, is what you're seeing on this picture. Behind that grain of sand, that one grain of sand on my finger, is this picture, this little tiny segment behind my finger, is what is here to seen in front of us as thousands upon thousands of galaxies. Now, you can imagine, right, because if you put another grain of sand beside it, behind that one is another sliver of thousands upon thousands of galaxies. Well, now imagine you put another grain of sand and another grain of sand, and now you start moving your finger around, and, and, and just picture this with me. If you could create the entire, the, cover the whole globe, because we're on a sphere, in every direction, a layer of grain of sand at that distance, and behind every single one of those grains of sand is one of these pictures with thousands upon thousands of galaxies, and this is what Jesus made. With a word, he spoke this into existence. See, friends, we, we marvel and are at awe when, you know, some new big brilliant tech agency comes out with a new phone. Compare the most brilliant of phones, as cool as the newest iPhone might be, with all that Jesus has created. And our technology and our advancements and the things that stir up our hearts are nothing compared to how awesome Jesus is. We keep going here. We see as we continue a third time, all, you can circle it again, all of this was created by him. And oh, look at it. It was all created for him. All of it, everything, everywhere for all of time was made for Jesus, to draw attention to Jesus, to give praise and fame to Jesus. He is before all things. See there again. He never had a start in any way. Jesus has always existed in perfect joy and perfect happiness, in the perfect unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has always existed from infinite time back to infinite time forward, if you can even speak in those terms, because it doesn't even work, what, is, what, what direction are you even talking about? Infinite everywhere is God. Before the mountains and the stars and the waters and the planets and the solar systems, before all of it, God was forever. Jesus, Jesus was there before all of it. He holds all of this together, we read. If, if you take a moment right now from your home, I just, you know, put your hand on your wrist and feel your heart beating. Ba-boom, ba-boom, 
boom, boom. I can feel it in my wrist. Do you know what's keeping your heart beating? Do you know what's holding your body together, your lungs breathing? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the head of the church, not not the building. We're talking about the people of God. He is the leader of all of the people of God, now numbering in the billions who have given their lives to following him over the last 2,000 years. He has over a billion, billions upon billions of devoted followers, Jesus does. The fullness of God is pleased to dwell within him. Jesus is God, a very God, the God of the universe. He reconciled all things to himself on earth and in heaven for God by dealing with the greatest problem we think the problems of the pandemic of our day are bad. We, we think that cancer is, un, um, is undefeatable and we're trying to come against it. We, we think that the, the education that the world needs and the injustice that happens around the world of marginalized people taking advantage of, that those are some of the worst things in the world. They are terrible and horrible, but all of those are small byproducts of the true root of the greatest problem in all of human history, the pandemic that no one will ever be able to solve that every single one of us are poisoned with, and it is death. And Jesus came to overcome death. Death in our lives and in the world around us to make all things reconciled to God by going to the cross. He overcame sin and death by taking our punishment for sin, which deserved death. Jesus is awesome. Exclamation mark. Full stop. Jesus is amazing. And so why are we here? Why why are we here right now? Why are we doing this moment? We aren't here because we are trying to make some big deal of ourselves and draw a whole bunch of attention and, and get a big crowd. We aren't trying to, you know, build a big church or build a big name or, or for Bethel or for Allen or for Baptists or any of that kind of stuff. We, we are not here because of tradition and this is just what we are supposed to do on Sunday mornings because this is what we've always done. We are not here to just be a nice social group and to have friends and to have a community and a place to just kind of connect and and be with other people. We're not here just to check off the religious box duty so that we feel like we we kept our end of the bargain or we, we earned some favor with God. We are not just here running ministry programs because we've always run them and because, because that's just what we're supposed to do. We're not just doing this because all kinds of other churches are doing something similar. No, we are doing everything that we do. We are launching this new ministry year. We are uniting together like this. And all that we are doing is first because of this one simple but profound truth. Jesus is awesome, friend. Jesus is awesome. And he is the reason why we do all of this. Let's turn back into our Bibles here. And I want to bring you to my, one of my other most favorite passages in all of scripture. It's in Matthew 28. 
And out of it, we're going to see two more reasons why we're doing all that we are doing as we launch this ministry year. Here's the second reason. So first, we saw Jesus is awesome. Second, because Jesus is in control. Friends, the reason why we're doing everything we're doing is because Jesus is in control. Matthew 28, verse 18 says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The the account of Jesus' life that Matthew gives here records this final conversation that Jesus is having in this moment with his disciples. Over the summer vacation, my family and I had the chance to travel down to visit my uh, 95-year-old grandmother. We haven't gotten to see my grandma for um, three years because of COVID and all the different stuff. And her health, although she's bounced back a little bit, her health has declined and she's had to move into a care home. And it was a precious visit because it was one of those visits, although her health is, has bounced back, you just never know when, when, when your grandma is 95, you never know if it's gonna be the last chance you might get to see your grandma, right? And, and with that in mind, Every single moment of that visit with my grandma, I cannot tell you how precious it was. Every single word she said, it was like we were all just hanging on them and just treasuring up every single one of those words. Because because at that moment in time, there's something about the like, this could be the last time that just makes it so precious, right? That's what Jesus is going through here. He's at at his last moment with his disciples. And his disciples are hanging on every single word. And if we are understanding what's going on here, we should hang on every single word too. At this moment, at the very end of Jesus' life, before he ascends into heaven, he says this, all authority. There you go, circle that word again. All authority in heaven and on earth, which means everywhere has been given to me, Jesus says. Jesus has total control. Jesus has all authority. He has rights over everything and everyone. Jesus is in total and complete control. On those banners, when you walk into our building or when you see the the bumper at the beginning of our services, you you will see that, that it says we exist to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. A disciple is someone who has given their life to follow Jesus. It has given their life in surrender to Jesus, to learn from him as a teacher, to a phrase that we would use in our common language would be to apprentice. And, and, I, and I love that phrase because it so captures, if you were to be an apprentice of a plumber because you want to learn to become a plumber, well, what do you do? You go and you attach yourself on the hip to a journeyman plumber, and, and you watch everything they do, and you follow in their steps to do everything that they are doing. And then whenever that, that boss, that journeyman plumber tells you to go do this, this is what you do. And when he says, don't do that, that's what you don't do. And you listen to every single word because he is the expert and you are the apprentice. And so it is with you and I when we are followers of Jesus. We are his apprentice. We we come along beside him 
We listen to everything he says. We, we submit ourselves under his direction. And he is the one who is in control. And we are the ones who follow after him. Why do we do all that we do? Because we are joyfully recognizing that we are apprentices and Jesus is in control. He is in control of all things. And we need to follow him. Here's the deal, friends, and, and I, I need to, you know, just confess and, and acknowledge the super obvious elephant in the room, because this is in total contrast to everything in our culture today, this very thought, right? We need to acknowledge this. And, and if you are watching this and you are just sort of exploring the whole Christianity thing, here's what you need to understand about the way that us faith that we are talking about here and what the Bible calls us to is to live. See, the world around us and the message that we hear shot from a megaphone everywhere and have drank the Kool-Aid on completely is that the whole pursuit of life is for me to be in control. The whole pursuit of your life is for you to have control, right? And anything that goes against the control that you have over your life or I have over my life, that is like just the worst thing in the world. And so we sit here right now and hear this declaration from God's word that all authority is Jesus's. And we are to be under control, under his control. And at first, this feels a little bit foreign. This feels a little bit off. This feels maybe a lot off and foreign. Like, what are you talking about? There's no way I need to have control over me. Who do you think you are? But let's, let's pull this apart a little bit more. See, because this pursuit that the world tells us, that we hear from everywhere around us, that we are chasing after with all of our might to be in control. Do you know what it is? It's a phantom. It's a phantom. It, it, it's like trying to nail jello to a wall. It's like trying to hug a puff of smoke. It, it is utterly impossible, friends. See, none of us are actually in total control. None of us are actually in total control. Who controls the drunk driver barreling down the road towards us? None of us can control that. We can't control the cancer that appears out of nowhere or the stroke that, that hits a dear loved one from where? We don't have control over the color of the, our eyes or whether our hair starts to fall out or the actions of our children. We don't control the financial markets of the world to be able to influence how much or how little our savings continue to grow in or shrink away from or how much our house is worth or not worth or, or how much the mortgage rates are or the, the rate on your, your loan for your car. We, are, we, we chase after control and we long for control, but we are constantly grasping at something that we can never get. But Jesus, he is in control. Jesus, the one who created all things. Jesus, the one who is good and trustworthy in every single way. Jesus, the one who is awesome, 
is in total control and he is for you and for me. And he invites us to submit ourselves to him and to come under and surrender to him. He is trustworthy and true. And so we joyfully acknowledge, I don't have control, but Jesus does. And he is working for my good and he loves me enough to go to the cross to rescue me. And so I submit my life to him. Why do we do all that we are doing here at this church, friends? What, what's the filter through which everything we think about it? It's this, Jesus is in control. We do it all because Jesus is in control. Here's the third why. Why are we doing all that we're doing? Why are we launching this year? Why are we doing what is ahead? Why are we calling one another to this radical kind of life, living for Jesus? It's because Jesus gave us a mission. Here's the rest of that final word, final you know, will and testament from Jesus with his disciples. After he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, he says, therefore go. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. At every single level of our church, from the large gatherings in person, uniting together online, from smaller group gatherings, whether that's in small groups or in youth group or just smaller prayer meetings, whether that's one-on-one interactions, right down to the personal individual life that each one of us live. If we are followers of Jesus, we have been given a mission. We have been given marching orders for what we are to be doing. And it's not whoever has the greatest idea amongst us. It's not popularity wins here. It's we are coming under what Jesus has told us. We are following his direction and his Mission And it all centers around one phrase. Do you see it there in your Bibles? Make disciples. Make disciples. Help other people come to meet Jesus the way you have met Jesus. Help other people to learn about him and to follow after him and to become apprentices, to come alongside with you, alongside of Jesus and to learn from him. Jesus says, we see it here, Therefore, go, which means, friends, what we are to be doing here, guess what? It's not passive. It's not passive. Church is called to be active. You and I are called to lean in actively, not passively to just consume and receive. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, not not just the people that are right around the corner from you, although, of course, you need to reach your next-door neighbor, but, but reach out to the people that are further away and farther away that have not yet heard about Jesus, that need to hear about Jesus, the places that do not have apprentices of Jesus pointing the world to how amazing and wonderful he is, to the very farthest reaches of the ends of the earth. Go and make disciples. 
When we go, we are to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are to call people to stand up publicly and say, I have given my life to Jesus, and I am going to display that by getting baptized to show my total allegiance to Jesus. I want everyone to know that I am a follower of his. When we go and we make disciples of all nations and baptize them, it also says we are to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. We are to teach calling one another from the youngest to the oldest, from the newest to the longest standing member. We are to call one another to obey Jesus to follow his ways. This is, hear this, friends. This is Jesus' mission for you. And this is Jesus' mission for me. For every single one of us, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, if you are a follower of his, this is his mission for us. And all of this is the why. This is the why. I, I mean, it can be so easy to get caught up in all the stuff that we might be doing in life and in church and start to think about it like, man, I'm just screwing the bottom of a jar on and I'm just pouring some rocks into it and we're just going through the motions. It can be easy to come to the place where, where we start just like, I just sing the songs and I just show up on Sunday morning or I just tune in to watch online or I just send my e-transfer or I just, you know, go through this spiritual checklist of duties that I'm supposed to do in the morning and then I go on with the rest of my day and why am I doing this? And we lose sight of the heart of what this is all about. But what we're seeing today, dear friends, is this. This is the why. Why? Because Jesus is awesome. That's why we're doing everything we're doing. That's why we're committing what we're committing. That's our very lives into this. Why are we doing this? Because Jesus is in control of everything, everywhere, and we joyfully come under him saying, I submit my life to you. And because Jesus has given us a mission, he has laid it out. What's the top priority in your life and in my life? It's to be disciples who make disciples. This is why we're here, dear friends. And so we launch into this fall, not as spectators, but as one's called to be active and involved participants. Now, as we wrap up here, let me give you a few reflections. See, I, I know this last season ha has been one of a lot of change. It's like our whole world and our lives as we know it have been thrown over the last two and a half, three years into a blender and just chewn up and spun all around. And it's brought about change everywhere. And I think we've all probably come to the point, even though we may not like it, that there's no going back. That, that so much change and transition has happened and, and there's no returning to the old normal. This is the new normal and we're walking ahead. And, and I, I want you to know, first of all, from, from the leaders of our church, that, that we recognize and we understand that in the midst of all of this change and transition, it's unsettling and it takes time. I mean, when there's so much change and transition, it takes time to kind of get our bearings again, okay? 
And so if you are working through all the change and transition, maybe you're just kind of beginning to plug in here at Bethel, you're, you're trying to figure out, you've maybe moved towns or, or you're trying to work out what's priorities in life and you started on this spiritual journey of exploration or, or whatever it might be, I want you to know first that, that we're here to provide and we understand that there needs to be space to settle down. And when there's been so much turmoil, it does just take some time to settle. But having said that, having said that, I I think there's a lot who are now at the point, and maybe this is where you find yourself, where it's like, okay, I needed a bit of time to settle, but I, stuff has started to settle, and now it's no longer time to just settle because I'm starting to just sink back. But no, 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 now it's time to go. Now it's time to lean in. And if you find yourself in that spot where it's like, okay, I've, I, I, a lot has changed, a lot has transitioned, I'm starting to settle and this is gonna be my home. Here's what I wanna invite you this fall is, is don't just slide back, but it's time to go. It's time to not just be a spectator, but it's time to engage and be active in and all that God would have for you and for us collectively together. Maybe in these last couple of years, you're not new to Bethel, but all the change has just changed so many things. And you're trying to figure out where do you fit now because so many things have changed. And I understand and I get it. And we want to have lots of love and patience. But let me also say we need to engage together. That's the only way forward. And so, friends, let's lean in. How do we start that? Well, we're going to be talking about that a whole bunch. That's why we're doing this series to launch this new year in the, in the, in the next couple of weeks. But let me start with this, okay? First, first, have you been baptized, okay? Have you come to give your life to Jesus Christ? And if you have, if you have said, I follow Christ, or if you want to, you can make that decision even right now and say, I want to follow Jesus. And if you have, have you been baptized? I don't know if you've just recently come to Jesus and started following him, or if you've been following him for decades, but have you stood up and publicly said, I am a follower of Jesus. I profess my personal faith in Jesus. I've been baptized as a believer to show my faith in Christ. If you have not, that's where you need to start, friends. Because Jesus is so clear right out of this. He says, that's what we're to do. Go make disciples of all nations and baptize them. And so have you been baptized? If not, reach out to us here at the church. Send us an email, send us a text, and we would love to help you in the next few weeks even take that step of obedience to follow after him. Second, are you going to be a part of being a disciple who makes disciples? Are you becoming active? Are you leaning in? So are you getting into community with other brothers and sisters in a small group to dig into God's word? Are you getting into community together using the spiritual gifts God's given you to serve others and to serve the Lord? Are are you leaning in to see where God is working and showing others about him as you serve and as you point others? Are you growing in learning and listening and following Jesus' commands? This is why you've been hearing us talk about and we're looking to launch 
the Southwest Church Plan in Southwest Middlesex. And this is why maybe for some of us, you need to be out at that vision lunch that's coming in September 18th. You need to join us for that because this is where God's leading you to step out and to lean in to be a part of this. This is why we are doing our volunteer rally that you've been hearing about. And we want to have everybody, whether you're already on a service team or you want to be a part of one of our service teams, there's roles that will serve, will fit for every single different kind of person and spiritual gift. Join us for that volunteer rally to be a part of it. This is why we're launching small groups. You need to, friends, get into a small group. There's different nights, different locations, in person, online. There's, we will find a group that will work for you. You need to reach out to us. This is frankly, like, I keep going, but this is why we're doing everything. <laughs> This is the heart of why we're doing all that we are doing. Because we see here, we're, we're not just here to go through the motions. We're not just here to screw in the bottom of a cap and fill it with some rocks. No, no, no. God calls us to something so much greater. We need the eyes to see from the Lord. Oh, God, give us the eyes to see the why the why, that we have a soul-gripping, life-changing, life-stirring why. We are here because Jesus is awesome. We're here because Jesus is in control. We're doing all that we're doing because Jesus has given us a mission. And so, dear friends, would you join us this fall on mission?
Hey friends, thank you so much for allowing us to come into your home. Thank you for joining us in worship and, and having a chance to look into God's word. And, and I, I'm really hoping and praying that God's word has encouraged you in this time of singing, has refreshed your heart, and, and that as we head into this new ministry year, you're really seeing with fresh eyes a renewed sense of why we do all that we are doing as followers of Jesus. And if you are one who calls Bethel home, whether that is being able to join us in person or online, we are so thrilled to be able to journey together in what is ahead. We're so thrilled to be able to connect in all kinds of different ways and to grow together from our homes here locally and all the way around the world as disciples who are making disciples. And we want to help you. And so if you are wanting to lean into some opportunities to serve, you're wanting to find out more about small groups, find out about the Southwest Church Plant that we're doing, or many other things that you can be a part of, here's what you can do right now. Text the number right there on the screen. Send us a short little message to that, and we will be sure this week to get back to you. If you're not one who texts, then you can call us at the church office, or you can pop over to our website, BethelStrathroy.com, and we would love to help you find more information and to come alongside you in your spiritual journey. We are here to serve you, and we are here and excited to journey together in all that God would have as we launch this new ministry. Have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you back here next week as we continue on mission and talking about all that God would have for us in the year ahead.